When tennis star Sloane Stevens comes to town, Carl Budge races to her hotel room. We found out that she loved uh, the vanilla bean Akoya candle. So now whenever she comes, five minutes before she gets to the hotel, our driver will ring the hotel, say I'm five minutes away, and we'll go and light the candle in her room. So the moment she walks in, it smells. And when Serena Williams made a shock second round exit the last time she was in Auckland in 2017. At least I can get out of these conditions and get to some, somewhere better. She left a sour taste, but Carl was on the phone to her agent immediately doing a bit of emotional blackmail. I think she acknowledged that the way she left, there was some unfinished business. And we put a plan in place from two weeks after that to how we could get her back and let her tennis do the talking and give our fans what they deserve. So that's how the ASB Classics tournament director, Carl Budge, gets the top players to a tournament where the prize money is a fraction of other internationals. And this year's lineup, according to tennis commentator Matt Brown, is... Best ever, without a doubt, in terms of the star-pulling power that Carl Budge, the tournament director, has assembled this year. He has got five... Grand Slam singles champions in his draw, um, over 130 WTA titles. 21 of the 24 players announced today have won tournaments. Uh, it is quite ridiculous how, how good the quality is. Obviously, the already announced Bianca Andreescu won the US Open. Serena Williams, 23 times Grand Slam champion, um, is coming back for a second appearance. Coco Goff, you know, the, the story of tennis this year, the 15-year-old who made that fourth round at, at Wimbledon. But Carl feels a bit nervous talking about it as we sit down in the lounge of the upmarket Auckland Tennis Centre. He's got a player's contract in front of him. It's upside down, so we can't see how much he's signed them for. You were actually sitting in, we build this into my office during the two weeks, because this is the player's lounge during the two yeah. weeks that we're sitting in. Uh, but I can remember sitting almost exactly where we are three years ago, um, having a whiskey with my operations manager going the night on the Sunday night before the tournament started going, if all of our vision from when we started is ready. We'd built the big serve across the road for the first time, when Serena was about to walk on court, everything was sort of set and that didn't go so well, so I'm a bit nervous talking around, it's our best ever. <laughs> I um, know, because of the, I mean the weather, that must be your biggest worry, you can't control that. Yeah, it'd be, um, I think I'd have dreadlocks if, uh, if, if I could control weather and players. Uh, our two <laughs> biggest success factors we've got no ability to influence, which um yeah, which is which is quite hard as a promoter. But uh, let's look at this amazing lineup, especially for the women. I said to Matt Chatterton, one of our sports reporters at RNZ, what question would you ask Carl if you were here? And he said, How the hell do you do it? <laughs> we're getting the return on the investments we've made for the last few years, you know, be that wild cards, you know, someone like a Bianca Andrescu, it's really easy now, everyone to go, wow, well, isn't it amazing she's coming? Well, the work for us started three years ago with Bianca. We offered her a wild card when she was 17, three years ago, when nobody knew who she was. Okay, so so did you see her potential, see the excitement yeah. of her? I, I think, ask a okay. lot of questions. I'm not a tennis coach like the chap sitting over there that can sit back and look at someone's forehand and go, I can see why they're going to be good. I've got it. After 15 odd years, I'm starting to understand, but yeah, I'm not a talent scout. The beauty of sitting at players' lounges of Grand Slams four times a year, where you maybe have three minutes of meaningful conversation a day, is you've got a lot of downtime. Yeah, I'll talk to a lot of the coaches, a lot of the agents. I've become really close to the the agents of the big agencies that are the scouts. And I've just asked them, what do you like about them? Who do you think is going to lead through? Is this class as good as the class of 
97. And then yeah. do you approach the players directly? Yeah, it's, it's both. Some people you get on with better than others. Mm. Some of the players we've got a great rapport with that we can talk to them directly. Such uh, as? So some like Caroline's a close friend. You know, Julie is a close friend. I've spoken to both of them this morning. He's talking about Caroline Wozniacki, sixth seed at the ASB Classic and number 37 in the world, and Julia Gerges, fifth seed and 28th in the world. There's some walks of life that you can, we're fortunate enough that we can go and have those conversations. Others, you have to go through the agent. Uh, this is a contract for a player where has been all around the agent. You have to try and form the relationship with them, but it's always better having the relationship with the player. It usually means a, a one less zero on a, on a bit of paper. So it's, uh, the, the agent always has slightly different views uh, than what I have. So if I can win the player over before I have to have the conversation with the agent, then we'll be in a far better shape. That's really? the difference of us having so, four So, Carl, or five. it's all down to you. You oh. must be a pretty good... You're a good talker, you're a good schmoozer. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really shy and quiet. Uh, I'm, despite what the public perception would be, I'm, I'm actually an incredibly shy person. I find it really hard going up and actually building some of those relationships at times. Do you? Uh, so what do you do? How do you get yourself, gear yourself up? Because oh. it's blimmin' intimidating. I think you've just got to put yourself in a position to care more. Uh, so it's, it's silly things. I, you know, I, a lot of my friends and people in the industry laughed when I started standing courtside at the start of every start and finish of every match. I'll be down the court where I wish the players good luck going on, and I commiserate or congratulate them coming off. And you know, my friends start going, "You just do that because you want to get on TV." And so, well, no, that's got absolutely nothing to do with it. I do it because now that's one more touch point I've got with that player. It's one more piece of relationship that I've got. I've always had the view with. When it, since I started here, if if you're going to say no to me, I want it to be a slightly more awkward no than it would be to another tournament director. And I was just speaking to Michael Burgess about it from from one of your competitors. He's like, oh, you, you must want around here for the two weeks feeling amazing. Well, no, it's actually the opposite. That's that's the time you have least ego in the world. So you're booking restaurants all day. You're, you know, Caroline, I don't think, would have ever booked a restaurant in the time that she's come to New Zealand. You know, we every day I reckon I spend two hours booking restaurants for players each night. And you actually do and it. And I, I actually do it. And every now and then I'll get my team to help as well. Yeah. But it's they'll always come to me for it, and I want that. When when it's too cold in here, they'll come and ask you for the uh, air conditioner to turn up. Uh, there's some really cheesy things that we've got. A jar full of lollies always in my office. Uh, a fridge full of beer for the coaches. You know, anything that we need that gives us one more opportunity to have another conversation, ask another question listen to a complaint, you know, that's how we'll get better. Mm. And bit by bit, you'll get that relationship with them that now there's an element of they're going to let you down if they're not coming. Yeah, so that they find it hard to say no yeah. because you've got that connection. Yeah, you know, if you take the time to care, but someone like a Sloane Stevens, we found out that she loved uh, the vanilla bean Akoya candle. So now whenever she comes, five minutes before she gets to the hotel, our driver will ring the hotel to say I'm five minutes away and we'll go and light the candle in her room so the moment she walks in, it smells. Now, Serena Williams owns the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so what money can I ever wave in front of her that's going to remotely make a licking difference in Not her about life? the money. Correct. What else, though, does Auckland have to offer? We sort of hear about the trips to Waiheke Island and real luxury tourism. Is that the attraction as well? Serena won't leave this place for two weeks. Oh. Everything they're doing at this time of year is for Melbourne. When I started here eight years ago we were getting somewhere between twenty six and 28,000 people through the gates. Last year we had 72,000. I'm not sure we've got any more tennis fans coming. 
oh, I think we've got we've been we've been able to capitalise on telling those unique stories to get other people's interest to come along to the tennis. So, you know, where before you were coming to watch Player X, now you might be coming because you want to go sit poolside at the Mold and Chandon Champagne Lounge. You know, and it's actually got nothing to do with the tennis. It's, you just want to come and be part of the occasion, eat some nice food, drink some nice champagne and update your gram. Mm. You know, others are coming because we're doing a bespoke collaboration with Josh Emmett around some food. You know, others are going, I really want to see this young player. So I think it's trying to find that balance of going, well, what what tools we need to be able to tell those different stories. A Caroline coming on board gives us so many options because not only is she Formula number 1 and Grand Slam champion and alike, but she's the face of Stella McCartney by Adidas clothing. So you've got all of a sudden a number of levers you can pull around that player. Someone like a genie, it is very much around the marketability and her doing our sponsor appearances more so than it is around what we're hoping on centre court. A great addition to the tournament, Eugenie Bouchard, who came here as an 18-year-old, now as a 24-year-old. She's made more headlines in recent years for her celebrity status. She's the player who famously went on a Twitter date uh, to a Brooklyn Nets basketball game with a fan who called her out. How did you get Serena? Was it through her agent, or do you have a good personal relationship? We've got a really good relationship with the team in general. So um, I'm ex-WTA, and so travelling week in, week out with the following the tour around the world certainly helped set up those relationships so I, I was saying earlier to, that, that we've, Jill her agent is someone I've known for an incredibly long time so it gives you an ability to have those conversations but then we're, we're close with Patrick her coach, you know, we're, we're close with her assistant you know, when, when you asked earlier on what the Waikiki trips and the like Serena doesn't care about that mm. her assistant on the other hand who's never been to New Zealand before and is not going to get the opportunities that Serena has after life on tour does. So we made sure that her, uh, her assistant went everywhere when he was in Auckland. We found out what beer he liked, we found out all the dumb stuff and really looked after that. Now I can go into any time of the, that you're floating around the tour again when you're waiting for the three minutes of conversation in the player lounge, <laughs> I'll be having lunch with her assistant or just sitting down having a coffee and chewing the fat. And it's one more little piece again that you, you learn something that's frustrating Serena at the moment that you can now go, oh, well, I could provide that. Or, you know, like you get all those touch points. So Caroline, despite being a really close friend, her dad still makes all of the decisions. So for us it's important to go and, well, I'll talk to Caroline all the time. It's really dad that you've got to win over. You've got to find your unique way of getting to, yeah. to the end result. And Serena, I mean, given that her experience was at the last time she was, wasn't great mm. and got, she got quite a lot of bad press, there was a bit of bad feeling. So how, how do you sort of assess the performance, your performance out there? Well, I really think I played... Um, I'm trying to think of a word that's not obscene, but that's pretty much how I played. So, does she remember that, or how happy was she to come back again? Yeah, uh, I, I think Serena will acknowledge it wasn't her finest performance in New Zealand. It was just, I just couldn't get used to the win. My opponent played in the exact same conditions, so obviously she was used to it, and her game was more suited for it, I guess, but I was just really, really annoying me for whatever reason. I've never been pregnant myself, so I, I can't... Um pretend to imagine what was going on inside Serena's mind at that time when you're chasing history like Serena is that elusive 24th Grand Slam is, that is her motivation. I've never returned like that in my life so very a little frustrating 
especially since I work so hard in the off season. But I, I can take solace in the fact that it won't be, the conditions won't be like this in Melbourne. And you know, I won't. This is almost not a great opportunity to even assess your game, to be honest. Yeah, and so to find out you're pregnant as an elite sportswoman, I imagine that's emotionally an incredibly challenging time in every sense, overwhelmed with joy, but fear and all of that sort of stuff. That coincided with her last time here. You know, we, we found that out when she was here. It puts into context a little bit maybe where she was at when on her last visit, but I also think that's the reason we've got her back. If it had been a resounding success, whether or not we'd get her back again, I don't know. Uh, you know, Serena was incredibly good to us from the moment. She, I think she acknowledged that it, the way she left, there was some unfinished business. Um, and we put a plan in place from two weeks after that to how we could get her back. She's always been really loyal and committed to that, and you know, now we're seeing that this year that we'll, we have been fortunate enough to get someone back that um, probably was only ever going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for New Zealanders. Why is the women's lineup so much more exciting than the men's? I, I, I don't know that it is. I think it's just more... It's more relevant to New Zealand than the men's. We're being the ninth most popular sport. We we're very good at only knowing two or three big names. You know, the 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 hard part in the men's game is we've had arguably the greatest era of professional sport in Roger Rafa and Novak. You know, three all-time absolute greats that you know, all rightly part of the conversation around are they the best player ever? But I think that's come at the expense of everyone else. You you. you there's only been three names that have won the tournaments that matter to New Zealanders for the last two decades almost. So the players in behind that probably haven't got the profile and kudos here that they do internationally. You know, so someone like a Daniel Medvedev, who's our top seed, has, to Nadal's own words this year, has had the best summer he's ever seen. His summer is just uh, one of the best summers I ever saw on, on this sport since I, since I was playing. So uh, tonight... Um, Everybody saw why uh, he's the number fourth player in the world already, only with 23 years old. So many congratulations for everything. So that's a pretty big statement from someone like Rafa. That doesn't necessarily relate to New Zealand, despite the guys four on the world. US Open finalist, made six consecutive finals on the ATP Tour this year and won three of them. That's bloody good. That's more impressive than anyone we've got on the women's field. If you went to another tournament director and said... You can have Medvedev, Kushinov, Shapovalov, Fognini, they'd be doing backflips going, wow, this is unbelievable. We're just, it's a little bit different in New Zealand. Okay. <laughs> Who would be your dream, your dream get that you haven't got so far? Is it Roger Federer? It's an, oh, a really interesting question. Uh, yes, but with an asterisk. I'd probably prefer him to come play an exhibition than I would him to come play the ASB Classic because I don't know we'd ever recover. To be honest, I worry about things like that with the women's field this year, where it's so good, we aren't going to back it up. You can't back, <laughs> back up what we've got. Have you approached Roger Federer? Yeah, loads. I, I oh. sit on a board with Roger, so we, you know, we, we have plenty of dialogue. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would need to really make sure we're smart around how we did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you don't have to look at the sevens in Wellington to, to mm-hmm. see how quickly in a, the, the cool bar in town becomes a bar that used to be cool. <laughs> and um, I, that always is something that plays on my mind. So he wouldn't necessarily be your dream get then? <laughs> From a selfish perspective, <laughs> yes. Every tournament director would kill to have Roger. Mm. If, if it was the last ever tournament, absolutely. No one else I'd rather have. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, knowing that you've got to run a business year on year, otherwise, uh, to the point earlier that we can't get kids active, then 
it's not as simple as that. Yeah. I think one, you know, a, a good one like a Shapovalov, who we've put a lot of work into for a long, for the last three years. He's a great player. Uh, in that moment, looks like was a bad lose for me because uh, Dennis uh, was known, but not very well known for the people who are not inside the the tour. He he's brave. He's good. He has everything to become a a big star. The kid's twenty. He's fifteen in the world already. You know, he's the youngest ever ATP Masters 1000 semi-finalist, uh, and he's done that three times. Someone like that that's going to be at the forefront of the sport for a long time, that we can get greater return on investment, might be a better signing for us than someone like Roger, despite that that would sound, to the general public, that would sound crazy to say. You know, will we ever get Roger back? Probably not. Our ability to get return out of an investment in, in Shapovalov for the next decade? It's incredible. I can't even talk right now. I mean... Uh... I grew up watching Rafa, so, so just to be able to compete with him is one thing, and to come out winning, it's a, it's a dream come true. Shapovalov and the rest of the field will be watched courtside by just a few thousand people at a time, but millions and millions will be watching worldwide. It's, it's a pretty big beast. We're standing on New Zealand's most watched sporting stadium, which not many people would know that. Huh. So when Serena walks out to play, we'll have somewhere in the vicinity of 38 million people in America alone watching this match. Uh, and so when you put that into context of other sports in New Zealand, they, the, the nature of tennis being the second biggest sport on the planet, it's, you, know, you get a, a heck of a lot of eyeballs uh, for two weeks of, uh, of January. Absolutely. And it's, it's pretty modest, isn't it, for a, for a centre court that is being watched by 38 billion people? Yeah, it's, um, it, it is incredibly modest for, uh, you know, compared to what some of our competitors are with retractable roofs and, you know, the, the, the most fancy technology floating around and alike. Um, but at the same time, it's also us. Yeah. And I actually think that's one of the cool things about this tournament is it, 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 it gives us our personality. Uh, I, I wouldn't change a lot of it. It's, um, I've been lucky enough throughout my career to stand on centre court of some amazing um, stadiums around the world. Uh, but there's something special about this one. Yeah. Uh, there's an incredible environment. Yeah. Guys, could um, you just hold up for a minute, please? It would just be five minutes. But you haven't got a, you haven't got a roof. Is that a problem? No, well, we, we just won best tournament in, yeah. in the world again this year for the fourth time in the last seven years. So, um, no, <laughs> if, if, if the players are saying we're the best in the world then yeah, we're, and we don't have a roof, it's, it's not a problem. But at, at some point it will be. You know, we've got to get to a point that our infrastructure keeps up with the talent we're bringing out here. And um, you know, when, when you've got a mega event like in the Australian Open the week behind us, uh, yeah, we can't afford to have players arriving late. We can't, have, you know, there's when you've got 38 million people in America alone, about 120 million around the world w- wanting to tune in at seven o'clock to watch that match, and we can't do it. That becomes raining. an issue. Yeah. Mm. So, if we want to keep up with the times and we want to keep leading the tour and a light, then that will have to be a reality at some point. You've tried to though, haven't you? Have yeah. you tried to get a roof? Yeah. So this is the start of it. So the, 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 the stadium to my left here, the Yock Stand, is brand new this year. Um, so this is stage one of a three-stage uh, plan to redevelop the ASP Tennis Arena. Um, so it's nice it started. Yeah, because um, I think I can remember sitting up there and it was it just concrete. Yeah, it was... Um, you have to take your cushion along. I hope you've recovered because it was uh, pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, this, this is the first step in the right direction for us. So, yeah, it'll be nice if you can imagine that going sort of all the way around and, and a lid on this place by the time 
stage three is complete, it'll be pretty impressive. Which is when? Yeah, well, that's that's the un- unknown question. It's, uh, I was going to say it's a million dollar question, but slightly more than that. Yeah, so, how much? How uh, much yeah, is that the, the whole problem? project's pretty significant. So, like many uh, millions. Many millions. Not Ten- not quite waterfront stadium millions, but yeah. um, it's tens of millions. Tens of millions. Yeah, and, and so and we've got a again. I think yeah, with a, we bring in somewhere around nineteen million dollars worth of GDP every year. Um, so yeah, I think oh, it's a good investment. Oh, is that right? This, mm. the, the two weeks of the tennis. Correct. That's it's a lot a, of money. And and that's without before you look at, you know the. 120 odd million people watching Auckland and talking. Yeah, the, I was in New York for the US Open earlier in the year, and there was a rain delay. <laughs> the irony in that, and they're playing at that time prime time American television on ESPN, the ESPN Classic final, uh, just as a as content filler because it happened to be Venus Willing, and so they, you know, in an in an environment like that, all of a sudden you've got the world watching Auckland again. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of value that we're able to bring here. Okay, uh, so why can't you get the money to build it? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of priorities. There's, you know, it's a pretty competitive market for us. Um, we're also winning. And so, you know, that's, you know, we're going pretty well without it. And so, you know, rattling cages when we're already here, you know, it, it's, it's never as easy as a new event coming. But, um, you know, it, again, it's going to be, if we want to keep this tournament and keep it to the level that we are today, it's going to have to become a reality at some point. I think it's public knowledge what AT give us. What is it? It's a fraction under 200 grand. Mm-hmm. And it's on the scheme of a multiple millions, very, almost an eight-figure amount that this tournament is. Um, in the scheme of things, the money isn't what's important. It's everything else that goes into it. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Carl Budge. Mā te wā.